Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Praise God. We just thank him. He's so good, isn't he? He's so kind to us. He's so merciful. And I'm just so grateful to be a part of his kingdom, right? Who's, a, who's grateful to be a part of his fold, to be a part of his family? We're a part of his family, and that's just amazing. Well, I just saw that there during worship. I saw the glory of God on the mountain, and I saw Moses, and I saw the people, and I saw them reject him. And so Moses came up, I mean, because that's what God does. You can see it all through the word that God comes up with a way, but it's not his best, but there is a way, right? It's all through his word. It's not his best, but there is a way. And he created a way for them to still be his people and for him to be God. And he gave them the system of temple worship. But that wasn't his original design. He wanted just to be there in the wilderness and have a people that trusted him, him to be God. They're his people, wasn't it? And then so Jesus brought us back to what God always intended, which is that the temple is within you and that the spirit of God is within you. Isn't that amazing? So that's just, that's amazing. I just so love the Lord and love how he speaks to us like that. I want to bring us into part three, this ser- little, little mini sermon series. I don't know, maybe it's going to keep going. I'm not sure. I'm calling it mini because I really didn't expect it to go beyond a week or two. But this is part three of uh, how far will you go? I want you to say it out loud. How far will I go? And I want us to go, I'm going to get right into the word here. Uh, in John chapter 6, I want to just relay some groundwork. I'm not going to, if I spend more than four minutes in John 6, I want everybody to raise your hand and just everybody raise your hand and say, okay, time to move on because I can get preaching and it's not what I want to get stuck on today, but I want to build from this because two weeks ago I began to lay this foundation. Then last week we moved into Ephesians 4. I'd like to just quickly remind us in Ephesians 6, Jesus fed the 5,000. Everybody said Jesus fed the 5,000, all right? So you get a mental picture, like this miracle time. And sometimes when we read the Bible, it can be a little disheartening, especially when you read through the Old Testament, because God does something miraculous, and then you read the next chapter, and it's like they forgot everything God did, right? The reason I'm making that point is because as his people today, we are still just people, just like they were. We have the Spirit of God. We actually have a better covenant. We have the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit within us. It's easier for us than it was for them, but we are still people. We have the grace of God, which is amazing. We can't even understand it, but we are still people that can easily turn the page, just like the Bible story, to another chapter and forget everything God's done for us, and we don't want to do that, do it. Who wants to do that? That's such a sad thing, and and his grace is still there. Thank God that I read a few chapters over sometimes it takes, but there they are again, right? God's got a new plan for them. It was always his pre-plan, but it's in our time, it seems like a new plan. So he feeds the 5,000, and it says that the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers, and then we immediately come into verse 14, John 6, verse 14. So It says this, when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he's the prophet we've been expecting. And this was the prophet that Moses prophesied. 
So that's why they get into this debate with him. They are about to get into a debate about manna from heaven, right? John chapter 6. You guys can read it in your own time. It's a long chapter. But it says in verse 15 that they were ready to force him to be their king. They realized, wait a second, this is him. This is the guy, and let's make him our king. So Jesus, it's not the time, so he slips away. This is very important because what I've been preaching on the last two weeks, kind of springboarding from what happens later on in John 6, you really need to go back, and I referred to this, but I wanted to just read it because when you realize, wait a second, they didn't just think like, oh, this Jesus is intriguing. They're like, this is the prophet we've been waiting for. It's time to make him king. That's a big deal. So verse 26 he brings him down, and, and Dawn's going to do a great job following along with me. She's going to try because i got a, like a bunch of texts and really fast, so if it's not on the screen immediately. I'll, I'm just going to keep reading here. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. So what happens is the, Jesus feeds the 5,000. They're ready to make him king of Israel. This is it. Here's our chosen king. He slips away. It's not the time. That's not God's plan. So they chase him down. They find him on the other side of the sea. And then Jesus calls to them. And it's kind of interesting that he does this because they were about to make him king. He doesn't touch any of that. Doesn't say, hey, I am the Messiah you thought I was. He actually touches a nerve. Everybody say he touches a nerve. And this is why the Lord led me into these sermons is I believe that the Lord has a way of finding out what we really think and what we really believe, no matter what our intentions are in the moment, right? We might have great intentions. We worship, oh, Lord, I'll follow you all the days of my life and I'll take me around the nations. We used to sing songs, right? Send me. Who will you send? Send me, right? And then, you know, 1230 comes, it's time for lunch and we go back to work right? Come on, this is my whole life, right? That doesn't mean the Lord's judging us. He's not judging us today, but right? We, the Lord knows how, though, to get to the heart of you. And so Jesus says to them, hey, the reason you're really following me is because I gave you food. And you would like to have some more of that. And maybe he's saying, and, he go, and they get into this big debate. Okay, so moving on here. What happens is, he moves him down. He says in verse 27, don't be, you don't need to turn there. Tells him in verse 27, don't be concerned about perishable things like food. Basically, seek the eternal life that comes from the Son of Man. And so this is intriguing to them because they don't know what he's referring to. And then he gets into this thing with them. He says in verse 56, anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood uh, remains in me and I in him. And then he says that you need to, verse 57, uh, he says, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. And so now they're, they're, they're in this place of like, well, we really liked the things you did. We saw the miracles. We liked the things you said. But now I don't know that I'm tracking with you. We were about to make you king. But because I don't quite agree with what you're saying now, now all that's out the window and they went from about to make him king to this. It says, I'm the true bread of heaven, verse 58. And anyone who eats this bread 
will not die as your ancestors did, even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. Verse 60, they said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? So they got trapped in a place of understanding. Everybody say understanding. The reason I'm laying this groundwork is because I, I know we talked about this two weeks ago, but I want to get into some a deeper thing today that understanding is not mental, it is spiritual. And so it says that Jesus said to them, verse 61, does this offend you? And why that's so important, he says in verse 62, he tried, actually Jesus offended them on purpose. And that's what the word does. The word is offensive. It should be offensive to your flesh. The Bible says that in the original design, we're talking about the temple here unintentionally, but let's bring that temple in because I, the Lord just showed me that during worship. In the temple, if you brought flesh in that place, you died. Like flesh and God do not mix. It's like oil and water. And we have the grace of God, which is incredible. We had many ways. So like the whole temple system, the whole animal sacrifice system was an early picture of grace. It really wasn't God saying it's okay what you're doing, but I will cover your sins with blood. And so that is actually early grace. And even then, if you really want to dissect it, if you want to understand New Testament grace, which has been defined as the word, go back and look at the Old Testament. They had the blood sacrifice, and yet when the child rebelled, there was no blood sacrifice. They said stone him. Caught in adultery. There was no blood sacrifice. Stone them. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? When we take grace, we just think grace is this unlimited, and God's unlimited, his love's unlimited, but we think of grace as like this thing that there is no wrong. And that's not what grace is. Grace is actually a covering to lead us to a place where we accept the grace and we change. Everybody say, we change. All right, so that's ultimately what, so Jesus is dealing with something much deeper than just what, you know, is it Moses' bread or is it, or am I the bread? He's dealing with this concept of going through works, going through motions versus letting me really change you from the inside out. All right, so that's what we're dealing with here. So he says, if you get offended at this, wait till you see. Right? Verse 62. What will you think when you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? Like, if this is offensive, there's going to be more. Everybody say, there's going to be more. There's going to be more understanding. I'm going to bring, there'll be more revelations. There's going to be, if you get offended now, every time you read the word, prepare to get offended. Prepare for my word to offend you. You know, I, it's not me rejecting you. I love you. My blood, if there, there's no greater love, God didn't spare his own son. It's not a question of God's love, and it should never be a question of his love. It's not about his love. So he loves us, but it says that, verse 66, many of the disciples deserted him. They turned away. It was too much for them. And verse 67, he says to his own disciples, the, the 12, not just the, uh, the outskirt disciples. Now, everybody say there's outskirt disciples, and then there's inner disciples, Right? There's always has been, and the church will be like that till time rolls up like a scroll. 
that's the way it is, and we must decide to keep following him. This is a choice that Jesus is presenting. He presented to the kind of the ones that kind of know Jesus and the intimate ones. He's presenting the same question. Are you going to leave also? And they said, where would we go, Peter says. So I majored on uh, the offense of, of this two weeks ago, but I want to really major on this, that Jesus is challenging us. I want you to say that out loud. I'm not going to make us repeat the whole Sunday. Some Sundays I don't go at all, and then this week's a lot of it, but say Jesus is challenging us. That's a good thing. Who wants to not be challenged? When you think about it, it's kind of annoying. It's kind of actually it makes me feel like anxious and irritated to think to be never challenged. Right? We should be challenged because that's where change and growth comes. Who just wants to be stuck? Anybody want to stay stuck? I don't want to be stuck. I want to let the Lord do what he needs to do with me. I want him to offend me so that I can deal with it. So I can say, wow, I didn't know those things were in me. I didn't know that I didn't believe. I thought I believed, but I really don't. And sometimes, you know, we don't, we think, we, we, see, we testify, we speak it, we say, I believe you, and then a situation comes where it really exposes our heart that we don't truly trust you or truly believe you. And that's the Lord. That's not the devil. Sometimes we blame those bills on the devil. The Lord uses everything for his glory, for his purpose, and for your good. And ultimately, what he's trying to do is to get you to really see, wow, I don't trust you. I don't believe you. It doesn't mean we're stuck there. I'm not leaving you there, but I'm going to keep following you. I'm going to keep believing. Praise God. So in Ephesians 4, um, then he brings uh, us New Testament and, and now, you know, Jesus has done what he came here to do. The Holy Spirit is with the church. And so what happens is, is God creates another system. But unlike the old system, it is all about uh, growing the individual instead of beautifying the building. Wow, that's a big difference, isn't it? It wasn't about this beautiful temple. It was now about the individual. It wasn't about the experience. Sometimes we think church is an experience, and it's not. It was actually, if you look here, here's a picture of the original church. It was about growing as in unity, it says in Ephesians 4. It's all, it was the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And it says the, the responsibility is to equip, to build, to grow. And then it says to continue this until we've come to unity in the faith, until we come to where we know the Lord. It says knowledge, but it's not knowledge like head knowledge until we know God's Son. And then it says we will be mature. You can pick it up in Ephesians 4, verse 13. I'm speaking fast because I, I wanted to get to some things. Are we okay? Is everybody all right? Verse 13 says, this is going to continue. What's going to continue? The building that God's put people in your life, and, um, and we all have each other in our lives, and the whole purpose is so that we would be challenged. We would be like the Bible calls in the Old Testament, iron sharpening iron, so that growth would come. Right? If, if, if you thought that the sky was purple, and I let you believe that, what kind of friend am I? What kind of leader would I be? Now, you might get really offended when I say the sky's blue. You say, no, it's not. It is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Get into one of those silly arguments. Right? That's what it becomes. 
And the thing is, if you if you won't listen, if you just stay trapped in your ideology, no one's going to convince you otherwise. And so what I'm about to get into today is really is that all of a sudden, what I saw is, wait a second, I get it. I get the John 6 thing. I get what happened here. It was about a belief versus unbelief. Because basically, if we believe the Lord, if we believe his word, Jesus is the word. All right, so they had him in the flesh. We have him in a book, right? But he's not just a book, right? It's still Jesus speaking. I hear him speaking to me. And the thing is, if I have preconceived ideas and concepts, I will never hear Jesus speak. And the thing is, I need to come before him like just as like a blank slate. You know, everybody that grows with the Lord comes to a place where we think that we've got some things together. Who's ever gotten to that place? Come on. It's not pride, but you feel like, okay, you know, I've got some things in line, my prayer time, my word time, my worship time, you know, even serving in the Lord. You know, even that person, we must come to the place where we come before the Lord. We must come to him and say, I'm broken. I'm unworthy. I'm needy. Lord, I don't have anything except what you've given me. The breath in my lungs is from you. This knowledge, if, I, if Lord, if, I'm, if it's crossing over into knowledge, forgive me. We should repent. We should repent when it starts getting over to like that we know the Bible. It's, that's, I'm not saying don't know it in your head, but Lord, if it starts to be that I know more about you than knowing you, Right? And, we, and, and so just come before him like we should be coming before him like that always, because the biggest stumbling block that Jesus had when he was on the earth was with people that thought they knew, but really didn't know anything. And so I just I was the Lord's just challenging me. All right. So let me just you just listen to me what the Lord's dealing with me. And if this applies to any of you, then you could take some of it. But Lord's dealing with me. Come before me like what does he say? Like a child, right? And this is not to stay a child, which we're going to see today, but to come and to let me grow you, to let me do something inside you. Let me do a work in you. So just coming and just saying, okay, Lord, you know what? Offend me. Hurt my feelings. Just, Lord, let your word come before me and, and hurt my flesh. Let it cut me. So that not so that I can stay, this is the whole point of what I was just, that whole thing that I was just saying, I'm summing it up, so that I would be challenged so that I will grow. I don't want to think that this is the way it is and then suddenly get into heaven and you say to me, why did you do such and such? Why did you do this? Why didn't you do that? I don't want to be surprised then. I want you to tell me now. Who would want to be lied to your whole life because you want to be coddled and be nice? I want the truth. Who wants truth? Don't tell me a lie because it makes me feel better. Tell me the truth and hurt my feelings because that's what needs to be done. Praise God. Who has grown because of that? This is when I grow. This is when we all grow. And I began to say uh, two weeks ago that what happens is, you know, school is meant to offend you. It's meant to hurt your feelings. Not to stay there, but you should think, I don't know this. You shouldn't think I know it. You should think I don't know this and be, and be like kind of stuck. Like, why don't I know this? But wait a second. We're not leaving you there. I'll teach you. All right. We have to. You should think, why don't I know this? And that irritates you. That's what growing is. Learning is irritating, isn't it? 
It is. It's irritating. But it's a good irritation because now, who gets so excited that when there was something you didn't know and it was so, like, seemed like so big, a concept that was just so outside the box to you, and now you know how to do it? Like, now you know it. Isn't that so rewarding that you let that the irritating process work through you and now you have a, a, you have a knowledge? Let's just go earthly for a minute now. So I don't want to talk about spiritual knowledge. But you have a knowledge in the earth that you didn't have before, and it's actually very advantageous to your life. But it was irritating in the beginning. And it's the same way. This, and, and so what I want to, to get into now for this, this next 20 minutes is that this is where the Lord has us is that we are to be matured, he said in, in Ephesians 4, so that we will be mature, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. So we come to him like a child. I want you to hear this today. Come as you are, but don't stay as you are. You know, the old uh, witnessing, right? We go out, they set up these big giant tents, come as you are, and that's amazing. That is amazing. That's what Jesus said. That is the gospel. Jesus never, ever, ever meant stay as you are. He said, come as you are. You can't clean yourself up. You can't make yourself worthy. You can't make yourself acceptable. You are a dirty sinner, and, and don't get condemned by that. I'll wash you. I'll clean you. I'm going to put you in the fire. I'm going to put you in the fire. <laughs> Say that again. I'm going to put you in the fire. I'm going to clean you up. Who likes putting your hand in the fire? Anybody like fire? You know, fire's good to do what it's there to do. I don't want to be in it, right? But the Lord says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to launder you with launderer's soap, right? I'm going to refine you. This is the kingdom of God. That's the fullness of, everybody say, the fullness of the gospel. See, the beginning of the gospel is salvation, is the cross, is the blood of Jesus, salvation. That's just the spark, that's become the entirety of the gospel, and that's not it. That was the first step. I will free you so that you can now live a life that's not filled with joy and happiness. Wow. Wait a second. What did you just say, preacher? That's filled with me, which may not even look like joy and happiness to the world, but you will have a joy that you can't even understand, right? Paul's in prison, and he says, I have this, this, I have this understanding in my spirit, of a joy and a peace and a love that, that doesn't even make sense. And that was the life, that was a, that's the true gospel. Let's look at the character who was actually changed by Jesus and lived it. Instead of assuming, you don't even listen to preachers who are preaching opposite than that. Go to the person. I've got the book. I've got the text. There it is. There's Paul, changed by the gospel, and look at his life. And we keep trying to fit sometimes this other life that we desire and want. And, and let me say again, the Lord has blessed us so incredibly. The Lord is so kind to us, so merciful to us. And even here in this nation, here in this valley, right, even right now there's wars and rumors of wars. The Bible said that that was how it would always be, especially as we get closer to the end. But we're still so free here. That could change tomorrow. But we are very free. We have such freedom. We have such peace. And I'm not saying don't love those things. Don't be thankful. I'm so incredibly grateful and thankful. But don't think if that changes that the Lord's abandoned you. 
Don't think if your world changes, if suddenly this building, we can't meet here. You know, and this is a secret thing, and we're calling each other from basement to basement. Don't think that the Lord's abandoned us and that God has lost his love for this nation and lost his love for you. That's Because that's not, all these things we have are just extras. This is amazing that we can do this, but this is not the fullness of the gospel. The fullness of the gospel is us growing, and that's in any type of culture, any type of environment. And the environment that they were in was extremely harsh. It was, it was live or die. It was, if you want to believe, then you may die, but I want to believe that bad. And so that's the maturity that he's talking about. He's talking about an immaturity and a maturity. We have to understand the context of the time that they're living in and to the people he's talking to. So when we read these words just about maturing and immaturity, it's not like, oh, I need to know more about God. It's like, no, I need to know him. I need to know him. I need to really know him because it's the, the world is already challenging us. We're not being persecuted like they are in other nations, but there is a persecution. You are being persecuted. It's just very subtle. You can't think the way you used to think. You can't speak the way you used to speak. You are being persecuted. It's just a different type of persecution. But you cannot be the believer that you could have been 50 years ago. I don't know that you can stand on the corner and preach the gospel like you could. I mean, people still do it, but... You know, those guys are, are in, like, in danger, and they weren't 50 years ago. So don't think we, ha we aren't persecuted. You can't just post whatever you want. You know, you can put up a Halloween decoration. Apparently, it's okay to hang a guy that his, uh, I guess, a chainsaw cut off his, his lower half, and there's blood dripping down, and, and he, I can't tell if it's a devil or a person that was tortured to death, but that's okay. But if I put up a sign that says, Jesus loves you, I'm going to get called on by the town. You need to take that sign down. So don't say, you know, we're not being persecuted. So there's a maturity that's not, just knowing stuff is not going to do anything for you. It's actually letting the word work in you so that we know him. And this needs to keep happening. This is what I really wanted to, to make this point, is that and this church is a good, healthy church. Like I believe in here that we do know him. So why preach a sermon like this to a group of people that do know him? Because it says this. It says, growing, verse 15, in every way, more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit perfectly, fit together perfectly, and as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So there's the process, and what's it? So let's go back up to verse 13. So that's happening to do what? Until we come Two, verse 13, mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Until the full and complete standard of Christ. So that's why Jesus, you know, he can offend the people that were on the outskirts, that liked the good things of God, but then as soon as he challenged their thinking, you know, everybody loves the good things of God. You say to somebody, hey, you know, and this is why I don't think that this is a great way to witness to somebody on the street, but that's fine if this is your process. But just to say, do you want to go to heaven or hell? That's a great intro line, you know, if you want to try that. Uh, that type of person, I don't, you know, I think you're going to end up in some sort of weird debate of what heaven and hell is, and is there a heaven and is there a hell, and, and all, the, and that's the, that's the new debate. I don't even think heaven's real, hell's real, whatever, right? 
you're going to end up there. But just trying to offer somebody, do you want to go to heaven or hell? And they say, I want to go to heaven. Okay, pray this prayer. I don't know that that is the maturity that the Bible is talking about. Do you want to know the creator who created you? Do you want to know him? Because your sin in your life is, I'm not saying this is the, the speech. I'm just saying now we're just talking. That is what's taking you to hell. He's redeemed and freed you from that. But do you want to know him? Not do you want to go to heaven or hell? That's like the lowest heaven and hell. That's if the person is not going to get it. I remember hearing Dawn, well, I guess when she was a little girl, right, Jeannie? I don't know how old she was. But Jeannie had a habit of stopping and witnessing people on the street, which is amazing. And Dawn just wanted to maybe get home that day, which is not hard to believe. But she said to the guy finally, listen, do you want to go to heaven or hell? I mean, that is the baseline, right? That's the base. Listen, that is the base. Ultimately, it's the path we're on is hell. That's the path. And, and we shouldn't shy from that and shouldn't be afraid to say it. I'm just saying that that's really the lowest form of salvation. That's not really the salvation that Jesus came and gave his life for. Although the Lord would be, he, is, he would welcome every single person that would just barely believe, right? He would, because he loves us so much. He really does. He, he died for us and loves us so much that if somebody would just say, I believe him, he will take that person into heaven. But that's not the salvation that he's calling us to. And ultimately what happens is a life that lives on this earth with only that is so confusing to everybody else around them. And I say this a lot because really, because I'm preaching to the church and not just to an individual. I'm talking to all of us as a group, which is so, if I was just talking to an individual, I would say to them something more personal. So we'll just keep it more broad as a group that if we can't just believe him and want to know him because we want to know him, then at the very least, because it's so selfish to um, kind of just say, well, I'm saved, you know, I occasionally seek him and I'm saved and uh, I'm going to go to heaven and that's good enough. It's so selfish to think that this entire world of people around me, all these people that I'm interacting with, my family and friends, and so if I live with a mixed gospel, guess which gospel is getting preached to them without me trying? I've said this before. Have you ever heard someone catch you when you swear, but you don't normally swear? That means that they listen to you all the time. They just don't acknowledge it. I'm talking about the world, not talking about Christians catching other Christians. I mean, like, the world doesn't listen to you, they think. I mean, they make you feel like they're not listening to you when you preach the gospel, but the moment you slip up, they catch you, which means they really are listening, which means you're preaching the gospel at all times without your awareness, which means if you were living a mixed gospel, you're also preaching a mixed gospel. It's not rocket science. All right, I want to move on. So Jesus loves us so much. Let me just say that again. He loves us so much, and it's just beyond my understanding to, I can't even comprehend his death and the purchase of my salvation. It's, it's unbelievable. But that's, 
not the end of the story. He's here in the present tense to help us to overcome this world. He wants us to remove the grip of sin on our lives that's enslaved us and those around us, right? So we talk about maturing and growing, following the Lord to the end of the race. I want to be clear that it's that God's love is the only reason we have life. It's his love. That's the only reason that I can follow him to mature, to grow, because he loves us and he still loves us and he won't give up on us. Praise God. Amen. Um, I want us just to look at a few scriptures. There's a few that look very, very similar, and I'm going to be quick about this. It says First Peter 2, verse 2. It says, uh, Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow. So Peter says, I want you to crave what you need to grow. Everybody say crave what I need to grow. Some translations say long. I want you to long for it. Some translations say desire it. All right, so this is something intense. But I thought crave was interesting because you ever think about a craving? Whoever gets a craving? I think pregnancy cravings are funny. I think, the, you know, the most famous one is, you know, pickles and ice cream. That wasn't Dawn's thing, but that's like, you know, the one everybody knows about, right? Cravings are funny. They come on intense, and you can't really deal with it until you satisfy it, right? And the Bible here, it says to crave what will bring growth, to crave it. And I began to just meditate on this very simple thought, this, this little tiny thing. I mean, you could just skip over it because he's saying... There's more to this little chunk of scripture here, growing into the full experience of salvation and, and, that, uh, and, and so on. He's going to continue here. But I just stopped at this word and thought, wow, Lord, do I crave? Am I craving your word? Am I craving to spend time with you like I would crave a suddenly like to have ice cream? Am I craving you like that? Like there were nothing else we'll do right now? Like, no, no, and, and someone's trying to help you? Why don't you have this? Why don't you have that? No, I don't feel like that. I just want this thing. Whatever that thing is for you. And that should be the word. And because he says, he says this to them. So then he goes on. He says, cry out for this nourishment. So it's a craving, a cry out for it. Verse 3, he says, now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. And this is, here we go. Everybody say the fullness. The fullness of the, in this church we preach the fullness of the gospel. Not just the intro to the gospel. The intro is heaven, hell, salvation, Right? But we are growing. We've been in this church now for a long season together, and it's to grow. And these are things that we know but don't think we know. Let's just keep letting the Lord expose. We think we know, but we don't really know him the way that he wants to know us, right? Don't you think in heaven, when our eyes are completely clear, we're going to see him clear? Well, if that's possible in heaven, then I can certainly cry out for more of that in this process from now until then, right? Praise God. And there's so much other stuff that clouds it out, right? We have, to, we have to make time. I mean, I'm guilt. This is me, guys. I'm guilty. I have to make time for God. I should be making time to eat, not making time for God. God should be the three times a day, and I should be like, oh, man, I forgot to eat because I was spending time with God. Not I forgot to spend time with God because I was too worried about eating. I know this sounds like, you know, it could sound like, you know, crazy talk, but this is what he says here, like that, like a baby, he says. Uh, in, we're going to move on, but it doesn't say here, but this is the type. Who, who craves milk? Come on. It's a baby. We know that because of other text here. So he says, now that you've had a taste, and God's building you, verse 5, into his temple. So there's a building that's going on. You need to be built. A baby cries, and this is what it says. It says in Hebrews 5, verse 11. Here's the baby. 
There's much more we would like to say about this. Everybody say there's more. So sometimes we talk about more, and we just talked about this on Tuesday. People could get trapped in um, and, and wanting to know um, deeper, hidden knowledge for the sake of knowing knowledge. Sometimes people can get trapped in just wanting to know things and know stuff, and they might call it deeper truth, and you've all met somebody who knows more about the Bible and wants you to know it than you, right? You've all met that person. I'm not saying there's anybody like that in this church, right? But that's not what he wants us to, to, to be, but he did say there's much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain. Why? Because you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Wow. So there's more. The Bible says, like a baby, crave for milk. And then he says, verse 12, uh, here's the baby. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. If I was reading Hebrews from Paul, I'd be like, wow, Paul, all right, tell me what you really think. Now tell me what you really think, Paul. He's being kind to them so far. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food, for someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know. So I want to just link together Peter. What Peter's saying is, you've been just saved, you're new believers, crave for that milk. And then there's a time, apparently, where we move on from the milk, the surface things, and then actually there's more. We're to know him in an even greater way. I want to tell you more about God, not just so you know more stuff, but so you'll be a more mature believer. You'll be a better influence on your families and on your friends and on your coworkers and so on. He says, for someone who lives on milk is just an infant and doesn't know what to do is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training. So there is a training. And then I, this is where I started to see what Jesus was doing was he was the word. Here's the word. I'm just going to speak the word. And when he spoke the word, there were some, right, that they love that milk. And babies love that milk. They don't know anything else for that matter, right? You give a, bit, a baby, you know, a taste of sugar, they're probably going to cry for sugar. Don't give them sugar. Dawn yelled at my brother-in-law because he thought it was funny to give my kids Coke when they were babies. Not like one month old, but too young to have Coke. But, you know, you give them that, sure, they're going to crave that. you got the world around you, it's easy to crave sugar. It's hard to crave broccoli, isn't it? But if all you've ever tasted, who's ever gotten away from some of the earthly sugars and flowers and all those things and then suddenly a prune? becomes tasty. Dawn one time was doing like a season of nothing, and then she goes, oh my God. This is her exact words. Oh my God. This tastes like a fruit roll-up. That was her words. Because she had removed herself from the sugar fake fruit roll-up, and now God's prune that he made tasted better than her memory of a fruit roll-up. And so anyway, I'm getting off track here, but the point is that the baby, the process was supposed to be surface and then more, deeper. We go, we're getting to know him. We're not surface believers. We're not meant to be surface believers. And the church, not this church, but I think you guys should be aware, the church design, especially the Western church design, 
is a baby system. Come in, give you a little bit of milk, give you three songs, a little sermon. That's fine that we do that model here, but that's not who we are, right? But that's it. And then that's it. There's a little taste, a little milk on your lips. And then next week, hopefully you come back, we'll do it again. But we are to feed. Imagine, imagine telling a baby, I'm going to feed you next Sunday. Gave you some milk next Sunday. Imagine a baby hasn't eaten in three hours. If you've ever had a baby, they get pretty upset. All right, that's the type of craving he's saying. It's been a, I remember hearing a great preacher say, I never go, was it more than 20 minutes, without 30 minutes without the word, and I never spend less than 30 minutes in the word. I'm not saying we all need to do that, but that's the level that somebody who begins to see more and more and more about God. I just want us to, I just want us, I'm not really, I'm not condemning, I'm not condoning, I'm not even measuring us. I'm just saying that there is more in him, and he's, no matter where you're at, he's calling us deeper. There's a maturity that if you're still breathing oxygen, then we're still maturing until we die. Then suddenly the Bible says we'll behold him, right, with unveiled eyes. We still have like a, a shade, right? We're still looking like your, the old translation is glass darkly, which is a really funny. That's King James like, what? Glass darkly? Sunglasses. We're looking at him through like sunglasses. We can see like so much, and yet we're still, there's still a little bit of a veil because we're looking through this human reality, and one day we're going to see him in clarity. But until that time, we're supposed to pursue him and pursue him and pursue him. And then you can go on in 1 Corinthians 3, because we're running out of time, I'll just say this. In 1 Corinthians 3, he says something just like he says in Hebrews. He says the same exact language. He says, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't, this is 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. What does that mean, right? Evelyn's already, re she's already dissecting this, like, right, as a teacher. I couldn't as I would, which means it's possible. Right? He's saying, I wanted to. Right? Let's read between the lines what he's saying. I wanted to, but I wasn't able because you're not able. But I was willing. I wanted to. There's another, I wanted to talk to you like spiritual people, but I had to talk to you as though you belong to this world. Or There's this word again. So you see that Paul writes these words, and so does Peter. To, they're writing these things to the churches, and what were they doing? Sometimes people, you know, we were just asking the question, I'm like, what is the church? What's its function? What's it should, what should it look like? Just kind of asking those questions again as the church. And, you know, we can go to the Bible and say, wait a second, right here. There's the church of Corinth. There's, a, you know, the church there where the book of Hebrews was sent. And he was telling them, like, hey, I just want you to know, you know, that's exciting. I know you're so excited about the salvation that you got and what God's been doing in your life. But don't get stuck there. Don't just get stuck and just stay there and just get comfortable with each other, but keep growing. Now, grow from that place. Grow, because there's more. And so he says here in Corinthians the same thing. He says, I had to talk to you as though you belonged to this world or your infants. I had to feed you with milk. There's that same language, a different book, same writer, same language. So this was a common problem in the church that we should listen to and say, we shouldn't uh, exclude ourselves from what he's speaking to Corinth and to the he for the church there, whoever the Hebrews was going to, 
wherever these people were. We know they were, they were for the Jews, but like I don't know where they were uh, geographically. There was some church or churches he was sending it to, and he's saying the same thing. He's saying it to us. He says, because you weren't ready for anything stronger, and you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature, you are jealous of one another and quarrel with each other, doesn't that prove uh, you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? And so we don't need to get into a debate here with Corinth or a debate in this church, well, I'm not controlled by my sinful nature, so this doesn't apply to me. The point is, is that he was saying that there is a spiritual place and then there is a, a lower place. And so I want to bring this to a full conclusion. In 1 Corinthians 2, you can read it in your own time, but he actually, as he was building into it in chapter 3, he starts to talk about how when he's with the mature, he speaks mature. And when he's with the immature, he speaks like he's speaking to immature. And so there was, there is two Christian languages. Come on, everybody, let's just get this. There's two ways to speak, right? I'll speak to a baby believer like a baby. And sometimes I'm like, how do I explain this? Somebody literally was asking me recently, and I, I was just trying to explain, like, what the church is. And, and I, I was like, I don't even know how to explain it right now. I was, a little, I was a little confused. How do you explain what we are, what we do, to somebody who doesn't already know the general concept of Sunday morning church here? And so I was trying to think about it. So he's saying that you, you, there's two ways. So then it says this. We'll just close with this. Colossians 1, and we've been studying Colossians in our Tuesday Bible study. And so we just read this two weeks ago. But it says, he said, so we've not stopped praying. Colossians 1, verse 9. I haven't stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. So this was his greatest prayer for them. I pray this. I heard about you, heard about your faith. I know you guys are a church. I know you love God. I'm so excited for you. But this is what I'm praying. I'm praying that God would give you complete knowledge of his will, which is what? What is his will? Very simple, his word. You need to, to understand his word. It says to give you and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. And this is the key. When we are growing in the Lord, the surface place in the Lord, the Lord will challenge us and to come. How do you get from a place of natural intellect that gets offended at God into a place where we begin to grow and we come into a place of understanding? How does that happen? I want to say just kind of on the surface, it is, yes, it is supernatural. You can't just, you can't just know things of God. You can't just know deeper and greater things of God. It doesn't, it's not just something that you just think. And yet, there is a thinking involved. And we'll get into this next week, but there is this, it is literally having ears that are willing to believe and listen. This is the revelation that I just said that the Lord was bringing. I'm trying to bring this together. Understanding comes when you are willing to believe God. And when we don't, when we, and, and you're, gonna, you're seeing this today, right? The cut and paste Bible. They don't believe something. They don't have understanding because they already don't believe him. If you approach God's word as well, remember someone saying, I believe God, I believe the Bible, I just don't believe they live to a thousand years. So they've already said, before I read it, I don't believe it. 
which means you are never, ever. It is not a, it's, and this is why we can boil the gospel down to as simple as faith and belief. This is why salvation really is just belief. That's why before they got a chance to mature, it started with, I don't know. I mean, this is insane, but you're offering me eternal life, um, and I want that. I believe that was the simple spark to our faith, and at every single page, at every single word, is, he's, we're going to come up to real challenges. Do you believe this? And if you will believe it, then the understanding comes. It will only get greater when we say, Lord, I don't understand, and I believe. Then we get understanding. To understand first is logic, and that will just be a greater stumbling block. And, and the reason this was so important is because I believe the Lord is bringing this church into another level, and I think time is going into another place. And we're talking like AI in bodies, you know, one day, like just... You know, crazy stuff. And so we're, we really need to, to know God. We need to be mature. And I think the immature church, I mean, just look at what happened during COVID. It's not, not this church particular, but this church was affected. Churches across, Amer across America lost 40 to 75% of their congregations that never came back. One little obstacle. I say little, I know a lot of people lost their lives. I'm not demeaning the loss of life. I'm just saying little in the sense of like, you know, there wasn't an asteroid that hit the ocean that like wiped out, you know, portions of the world. We didn't see aliens step out of ships yet, okay? It's not like so mind-blowing, so shaking, like, oh my God, my belief in God is like so shaken. It was a very horrible time for people. People lost lives, but the gospel itself never changed, and yet they let this world and a season in this world change their, their commitment to God. So don't think it can't happen that it's not happening. That's why it was so important that the Lord wanted me to talk about continue going to maturing and keep growing. So we'll get more into it. Praise God. It's 1222 on October 22nd. Wow. I, I didn't try that. Praise the Lord. We just thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus, for your faithfulness and your glory, Lord, is in this church. I thank you. You're here with us, and we're growing in you. I know, Lord, that this body wants to grow and is growing in you. So I just pray that the challenge, Lord, to us would be to know you even greater, even more, Lord, and ultimately then you're going to use us, Lord, in our lives, Lord, the world around us that you've given to only us. There's people that need to be influenced by us and they won't be influenced by others. And I thank you, Lord. We're not going to give them a mixed gospel, but a mature, clear, and clean, pure gospel from our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.